0: Welcome to the mini break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, April 4th, as we've mentioned before this week. Miami, Indian Wells now over. A little bit of a lull before the clay season begins. We have some action on the Challenger circuit. We've obviously got the event in Charleston on the WTA side in full effect, and we had Kale Hammond on earlier in the week to talk about that. I believe he's coming on tomorrow as well. Uh, so stay tuned for Friday's episode. But this Thursday, we're going to have a little bit of fun on our other podcast. I'm never too ashamed to plug another pod, the Great Shot podcast, which we will be releasing today. Uh, Chris Hallioris and I rank our national title contenders on the men's side. We divide them by tiers, and there's some results we talk about looking forward to, giving those teams a chance to kind of prove themselves even further. Uh, that episode, though, was recorded last week, and as we've mentioned, Westoff Dalton, Rothman, and I all in Vegas last weekend, so a little bit, bit of a production error, but still, we are going to release that podcast today, and we're going to use this mini-break as the perfect pairing, like a nice steak with a fine wine, so joining me as my co-host on today's episode. He is the founder of College Tennis Ranks and my mother's favorite guest, although I think that's due to an age bias, Chris Hallioris. Welcome to the Mini Brick Podcast.
1: Oh, hey, thanks. Glad to be here. So, so that steak and fine wine, that's what you were drinking in Vegas, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. See, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But yes, that was part of the uh, part of the equation. (laughs) There was some sake thrown in the mix. One of the night, you know, you're with Rothman, you got to have extravagant things. And, ooh, that took us places. (laughs) Oh, man. But this is a college tennis podcast. I feel like it's a bad omen to talk about alcohol before that, since none of these players can drink, and if they are, you know, don't, because we don't want you getting in trouble. Or if you do, just don't get caught. Um, But let's get back on topic. I'm still in the Vegas brain. I am Mush. As we mentioned, this podcast is going to cover the results we have uh, missed since that pod was recorded. A lot of fun matches. Big 12 play underway. Uh, Some fun play in California. We'll talk about, obviously, SEC stuff. Just a ton of action we're going to Going to go through today. Let's start Chris uh with that Big 12 play as I mentioned. We'll start with some Friday results. Baylor number 6 team at home against number 9 TCU. They win that match 5 2. The doubles lineup they end up going with Sven Law and Jimmy Bendick, the number one team in the country at number one. Soto and Little, you have veteran experience there in Little. And Soto, who's been playing so well, he plays one singles in this match at two. Then Shredder and Fronson at three. That's a big, you know, scary, in your face type of team. And in that home environment, it's just, you know, you win a tiebreaker at three to clinch the point. You're in another tiebreaker at two. That seems to be a recipe. Coach Bullen seems to finally have found part of the equation in what is just such an enigmatic Baylor lineup.
1: Yeah, I mean they 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 pull that doubles point off, and and I was watching that one. That was that, it was really tight down the stretch there, uh, obviously. And and once they got the doubles point, you just kind of you just had this feeling that they were going to be able to they were going to be able to do it. In singles, you know, you you got to give the edge to Rybakov when once you get to singles at one for. For TCU, but everything else was was going to be a dogfight, and and Baylor really didn't, you know, they they didn't struggle too terribly bad, uh, and, and looked pretty good. So uh, I think it's a, that was a good sign for them heading into their you know into their next big match.
0: Well, we can't talk about Baylor without mentioning the fact Roy Smith, and I, I know there are other players as well, but for, because we saw Roy at the National Indoors earlier this year, I think that's the number one question on anyone's mind. He competed in a challenger this week, but he has still you know, not participated with the Baylor team since, I think, February. Have you been hearing anything? Do we know if he's going to be a part of the equation? Because if he comes back as well, I mean... This Baylor team, they could be very, very dangerous. We still haven't seen them full tilt,
1: right? No, and you know, I no, I haven't heard anything. So, so, so Roy, Roy was not at indoors, which was mid February, right? So the last he had, the last he actually played was before national indoors. He was hurt uh, for indoors. He was hurt for the match that they didn't go to Wake Forest for and ended up taking a loss, right? For for bailing on the match due to bo- both injury and sickness on the team. But uh, but we haven't seen him since before that, and in that span, he had he played he played in Japan at the end of February. He played uh, in Drummondville, and then, as you said, this week he played another challenger uh, on Monday and lost to Tipsarevic first round. So um, he's played three different tournaments since that since he's been theoretically injured uh, and and hasn't come back to play at Baylor. So I don't I, I don't know what to make of that. I don't. I mean, something tells me that uh, you know he's still on the roster. I check that frequently, right? So something, <laughs> something tells me that uh, you know Coach Bowen will get him to show up for uh, you know the, the the important match. You know, if it's the conference tournament or not, but NCAA's, yeah, it's not going to surprise me at all uh, to see him, and I can't wait to hear all the moaning and groaning behind the scenes about you know. How somebody comes and shows up for the NCAA tournament that didn't play a dual match all all fall or all spring, I mean.
0: Well, here's the thing. With the transition tour being as it is, and we talked about this with Wolf and Gojo, I think, a couple Great Shot podcasts ago you have to give roy smith you know to for his from his perspective he's coming off of a challenge i think final maybe was that title in houston at the end of last year um and he has the points to get into events now he needs to take those opportunities because of how hard it is to get into events when you don't have a ton of points accumulated when you're playing an entire college season so i think it's always important to note that and i think i'm I don't feel uncomfortable speaking for you when I say we both get that point of it. But yeah, for this Baylor team, if they can stick him back in with Matias Soto uh, going all the way up to number one singles, you know, Shredder at two, even if Soto drops down to three and they keep Shredder at two, you throw Smith in there and then Bolton, who's been playing so good, moves down a spot. Little moves down a spot. Sven La, who beats Luke Famba here three and three in one of the only straight set matches, uh, moves down a spot. It's just... So many options for this Baylor team. Now, quickly uh, to move to the other side of the equation for number nine TCU. You know, yes, they lose this doubles point, but two of the sets go to tiebreakers. The other one, Stalder and Kruger, number six in the country, lose 6 4. Obviously, they lose to the number one team, so you still have to like them as a duo. And then you look throughout their lineup, you know, Gray loses, but it's in three sets. Bolton loses 11-9 in a third set for Aker. Kruger, 6-2 in a third. Jong 6-2 in a third. This team is right there, and it's one of the small things where maybe playing at Baylor makes the difference, right? You know, Boland says in his post-game press conference, it was a tremendous crowd, and it's the little things like that when the margins are so close. So take nothing away from TCU, right?
1: Oh, ab- absolutely! It's yeah. When you, you see you see four three set matches in singles, uh, you, you know you know any, anything, anything could have happened there, and the home court advantage absolutely could swing it. Uh, you know, and I'll go back on your your point on Smith. No one, absolutely nobody, should fault the guy for playing pro events, right? I'm I'm with you there. You play as many as you can, but you know we have also seen, uh, well, J.J. Wolf. Basically, he's there. All he's at school all the time if he's not playing an event so he's played every match he possibly could Goyo is you know probably he's he's in the middle right he's not playing everything he's taking his share of time off but he's still playing uh both uh, but and then we've got the other extreme where, with Smith who's basically playing nothing from a college standpoint so I, I think that's the only knock is people would say hey if he's going to come back and play we want to see him play some uh if he can and may, maybe it's just that he, he's trying to do what he can to get the the pro events in and he is still nursing that shoulder and uh, and that's all he wants to do to uh, you know until he until he's a, a little more healthy but but we'll see
0: yeah i just want to say both of these teams you know i think we can write off oklahoma but Baylor TCU and then Texas who we'll talk about in a little bit so strong but just some of the other results in the Big 12 real quick uh, you look at that number 4 Texas team they knock off number 29 Texas Tech Uh, 7-0, obviously uh, they lose their coach, but they have just continued to thrive. This is a team we will be talking about throughout the year. Uh, Oklahoma knocks off number 27, Oklahoma State 6-1, I should say Oklahoma right now, number 17. So to get a win like that, very good for their chances in terms of hosting a Sweet 16 regional. Um, But yeah, I mean... You're looking at how this Big 12 lays out. I guess we'll talk about it more. I, I don't know. Do you want to talk about the Baylor-Texas match now? Yeah, let, let's just do all the Big 12 matches now, and then we'll come back. You talk about that uh, result on Sunday. Number four, Texas hosts number six, Baylor. They knock them off 4-3. Baylor, again, gets the doubles point. But for Texas, just so much depth in singles. They even changed their number six player, uh, put in Rodrigo Banzer, and you know it, it, it's a win for them.
1: Yeah, so I think we're seeing a couple things there for Texas and that is that uh, that Bruce Burke and he had, I think he had even mentioned it in, uh, in in the match when they played Ohio State. Uh, it looks to be that when they get into these crucial matches, uh, that you know what on ahead of time on paper looks to be a crucial match. He's he's gonna go with Banzer at six because he's the experienced guy over Chi Chi Wong the freshman, right? Uh, and in other case in a lot of other times he's playing he's playing Wong at six. But but yeah, Baylor gets the doubles point, but Texas got, you know, the, mm-hmm. the final was four three. I'm pretty sure they clinched it at four two. Uh, and then I think uh I think Will Little won a, a three setter as the last as the last match on, maybe. But uh but Texas got I mean they got four pretty quick uh uh you know singles points they got 3 of them in, in straight sets and then uh, and then the fourth one it took 3 sets but Sven Law beats Colin Marcus uh after dropping the first set he goes 0 and 1 after that so it wasn't a super long match uh and they they were pretty you know they they looked the dominant team they are
0: and, you know, as you mentioned, for uh, Baylor, they get wins from Will Little. Again, in singles, they take another doubles point. Uh, they stick with the same lineup they used against TCU, and that worked well for them. Um, but, yeah, it's just, again, throw Roy Smith in there. Tell me that result isn't just crazy. Tell me Baylor can't compete with anyone. For Texas, I mean, the strength up top, Sisgard, Ito. Would you consider, I, I guess, Ito, McNally, Risoko's the three locks at number two singles, right? Those are the guys who are like, yep, that you're winning that match today.
1: Yeah, Ito doesn't look like he's coming close to losing a match right now at two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it it certainly doesn't seem that way, but yeah, yeah, exactly. I Ito it, and Risoko's are are just. You know, ridiculous right now, and then I, and I'm, I think I'm only spoiled against McNally because I've had this. You know, he had to play Ito, uh, and he well, actually, he didn't play Ito. He had to play Sig's guard, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, because they were missing JJ when they played. Yep. But uh, but yeah, I mean, those are obviously some some really good twos.
0: And the other thing I just want to mention in terms of the Big Twelve schedule uh, for Texas, they travel to TCU. So each of these three teams is going to get to host one of the Big Three. They're all going to get their shot. It will be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, some of the other results: TCU beat Texas Tech five-two. Good bounce-back win for them. Uh, yeah, it's just—I—I I, I don't know. I think all three of these teams—TCU, Texas, Baylor—all in competition for one of those coveted top eight spots, right?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. The other thing here with uh, with 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 Baylor, so I saw they as you noted, they played this, this past week, they played Soto one shredder two. this week. Uh, they're back to shredder one Soto two. Uh, so that was kind of a one week, a one week swap. And you kind of have to wonder if, if there wasn't something that Bowen liked, uh, in his, in his two matchups that he had this week where he wanted to, wanted to swap them because they hadn't played that way all year. Um, and now they're back. So there must've been something there. And then the, uh, the gamesmanship, if you will, between, uh, I'm sure between Bowen and Rodidi, they both the first week list their number six guys at number eight, uh, and, <laughs> and promptly both pull numbers six and seven to play their number six guy that they listed at eight against each other. Uh, you know, I just, <laughs> I just thought that was, that was humorous. And then this week they've both put, they've both actually listed them at six. Uh, so So that was a a little bit of, I'm sure, just a little bit of gamesmanship going on there.
0: How great would it be if Roy Smith pops back for that at TCU? Or I guess Texas is going to TCU, so that wouldn't happen. But just Roy Smith in general popping back in the lineup moving forward. They get the chance to play it.
1: Yeah, that would be huge, huge for them. I mean, obviously they're they're playing a top, you know, they're playing as a top six or seven uh, team without him. So you throw him in the lineup and it, you know, it can't get any worse, right?
0: Here's the scenario I just want to pitch, and then I promise we will move on. Let's say you get to that conference tournament, Baylor, Texas, TCU, all hovering around those top eight spots. It could be the team that loses in the semifinals doesn't get that top eight seed. And it's just, that's why getting, you know... I'm not sure where they're playing this year, but getting that number one seed in the Big 12 through whatever tiebreaker necessary so important for all of these three teams, especially because it's only a six-team conference. So just, it's a conference you guys got them. If you're a fan of college tennis, definitely monitor moving forward. But I mean, any final thoughts, or should we move on?
1: No, I think I, I think we can move on. I, I was wondering, as you were, where that conference tournament was, uh, and. Of, of all things, I'm, I'm looking at the Texas page to, to see it. It says it's in Lawrence, Kansas, of, you know, <laughs> which is a school that doesn't even they have they have a good ladies team, but they don't even have a men's team. But maybe I guess maybe they must dual host uh, or something uh, in, in the in the Big Twelve. That's kind of awesome.
0: I'm not That's sure. the perfect the perfect wild card to throw in that Big Twelve because it hasn't seen enough craziness thus far. Yeah. Yeah, but we can move on now to our uh, next—let's kick it out west. Let's talk about those results. Obviously, Stanford, USC, uh, UCLA, and Cal all facing each other this weekend. Uh, Stanford and Cal faced UCLA and USC, if that makes sense, and then they alternated sites. And let's start with the Friday match. Number 19, UCLA knocks off. Number 10, Stanford, 4-2. Keegan Smith clearly back in full health in this one. Him and Cressy get a 7-6 win over Geller and Ross start at 1-8-6 uh, in that breaker. Nanda and Rap get a 6-4 decision at number 2. Stanford did win the number 3 position, uh, but still, when you can get that bonus doubles point on the road for UCLA, uh, so critical for them, especially because you never know where point number 4 is going to come from, right? Cressy and Smith and not even Nanda at 3, maybe even especially Nanda at 3, although in this match he does and finish you can count on them maybe for three points but if you don't get doubles funding that fourth is so hard
1: yeah and i and i think that was the friday match with with ucla beating stanford was that was a it was huge for ucla to kind of get back uh they hadn't had a good match in a while and then with keegan smith back to show that a he's back and b show that they're you know they are for real we had we had even as in our last pod we had talked about questions with with stanford and we you know we weren't sure where to put them um uh, they just hadn't had a lot of they hadn't had a lot of competition they got both of them this weekend and uh I, you know i think they kind of justified our uh in, in our other pod that folks will have to listen to the the, the <laughs> tier they were placed in is kind of being the one man short tier right uh mm-hmm. but uh but yeah they're you know the the weekend they had dropping both of those matches is going to make it very very difficult for them to get themselves back up into a soup what i'll call a super host so shannon and i at slam tennis have been kind of we're actually (laughs) joking about what we want to coin some terms here because we've always talked about the hosts and now we have this you know now we have the third round where a super regional is a host, and I and I'm like, well, I want to call that the super host. Uh, that's that's the term I'm going to use. So, so yeah, that top eight spot and being a super host, Stanford really looks to be on the outside looking in now because not only uh, are they down in the 12th spot, they've lost the two big chances they have to get those points at least in the regular season, uh, and it's gonna it's gonna be really tough for them to get back up there. So, uh, so they're probably looking to just to be a, a nine through 16 uh, and host the first two rounds and then have to go on the road after that.
0: Well, it wouldn't be one of our pods if we didn't do a tangent. So West off, give me some sort of tangent sound effect, please. We talk about these third place teams and these three conference races in the Big Twelve: TCU, Texas, um, oh my god, uh, and Baylor in the Pac Twelve. You have USC, UCLA, and Stanford. Now Stanford beat, I think, USC earlier in the year, but they have now lost to them, lost to UCLA. But of those teams, you know, there's going to be a semifinalist, probably one of them left out of their conference champions. Who Who is less likely to get in as that number eight seed? The third place team in the Big 12 or the third place team in the Pac-12, in your opinion?
1: Who's less likely
0: to? Yeah, or I guess, where's it more impactful? You know, is it more important to make that Pac-12 final really solidify yourself, or is it more important to make that Big 12 final?
1: Um, well, I'll say this. Texas is uh, Texas is a, basically a lock for a top eight. I mean, they they would have to fall apart, so... So they're in, even if they lose, they're in. Uh, and and Baylor is in good shape, with TCU being just just on the outside looking in. But I'd say it's very very possible for all three of those those teams to get in. So even the third place team in the big in the in the Big Twelve could easily we could easily see three three finals, especially if somebody knocks off. Uh, manages to knock off Texas that'll almost lock them in uh and Texas isn't dropping out so uh so it's very possible the Pac-12 I don't see the Pac-12 uh I don't I don't see them uh in any way being able to get uh get three teams up there I, I don't know I don't know how that would. You think it's more happen.
0: likely? You think it's more likely the Big Twelve gets three than the Pac twelve gets one? Because none of USC, UCLA, or Stanford really are probably going to be in the next edition of the top ten. Maybe USC.
1: Yeah, USC right now is they're they're projected right now sitting at ten for next for next week. Uh, so they they may be you know depending on obviously we got a lot of results uh, left to go uh, for the week. But um, do I think it's yeah, I'd say that you're you're looking at almost a 50-50 shot there of three three Big Twelve versus one one Pac-10. Although I'd, I'd still say that if if USC does uh, does run the table, they they stand a really good chance because they're. Uh, they're seven, eight, nine wins right now. We count nine wins towards the total. Seven, eight, nine for USC aren't that strong right now, so they've got a lot of headroom for improvement to up their point totals more so than than the schools they're trying to catch. So they could make up more ground, and, and I think it's more it's it's fairly likely that USC, uh, you know, if they if they run the table, they move themselves in.
0: Well, speaking of USC, let's talk about their Friday match against Cal. It's a match they win four two. You know, they play around with their lineups all the time, but in this one, Holton Smith up 5-4, but they don't finish. It doesn't matter because Jaden Verboven 6-4 at 2, Cuckerman and Tanner Smith, 6-3 at 3. And then they play around with their singles lineup again. No Jade, no Verbovin. Uh, Holt gets a win, or is up 5-3 in the third at one. Cuckerman wins two and two at two. Those are really the only two locks in the lineup. Riley Smith loses at three. Logan Smith wins at four. Uh, ben Draper knocks off Jake Sands for USC at five. More bolus wins in three sets at six as the clincher. I mean, uh, I feel like... Two of the Smiths, probably Riley and Logan, should be in the singles lineup, but I just don't know what they're gonna do.
1: Yeah, every, every it it still seems like every match is a different lineup, right? Um, mm-hmm. I I do I I I'm starting to feel like Jade's just kind of on the outside looking in now. Um,
0: Interesting.
1: I I don't you know I don't I have nothing to base it on other than watching at all the lineups they play. Um, but, but yeah. Well, can I just,
0: real quick, not, sorry to cut you off, but to add to that evidence, you talk about their match against Stanford, a match they win 4 1. Again, Jaden Verboven and the doubles point. They don't finish, but they're both playing there. Cuckerman and Tanner Smith, 7 6 at 3. Holton Riley Smith, 7 5 at 1. Uh, you look at the singles lineup, Holton, Cuckerman again, 1-2. and two. Uh, the USC gets a win at 2, DNF at 1, Verboven at 3. Plug Riley Smith down at 4, he gets a win. Logan Smith is up a 7-5 all at 5. They still have to figure out 6, but still, it just it gives them that extra bit of depth. I don't know why they wouldn't put Jade at 3 or 4, Verboven, Riley Smith, Logan Smith finishing out the lineup. To me, that's the best version of their singles, just from what I've seen.
1: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I don't know that Jade's done a lot uh, in you know results wise this year. So that, yeah, I, but he
0: I can play like, there, and then oh, the depth—it's a perfect stack.
1: Yeah, you. Yeah, you. You can, but uh, you know, I think I. You know, there are coaches. That, I, I talked Good. to several coaches, even when we were indoors, about this whole stacking concept, right? And there are some coaches that love to do it, and then there were other coaches there that told me, "Knock yourself out, stack all you want, because if you stack and you think you're giving up a point." I'll take the free point anywhere and let you push your lineup down. Uh, you know, yep. I'm I'm good. You want to stack at one, put somebody at one, and push everybody else down a spot. I'll take it, right? Because I'm gonna. It's like points on the board in football. Right? I'll, I'll just I'll take the point and take my shot everywhere else because there's just not that big. Maybe at one, yes, there are some guys that okay when you push that guy to you know. You push Brandon Holt to two, he's already a killer at one, uh, you know. But but once you get down, when you're, when you're talking about guys that are playing three, four, five, if they're playing four, five, six, there's just not that big a difference between these guys. They can all play with each other no matter what. So I, I kind of think this is the USC lineup that we're going to see with, with some some maybe some playing around with still who's going to play six is it going to be more Bullis? is it going to be jake sands i feel like those are the two guys that are most likely to be playing in that spot but i i think we're going to see a lot of Verboven at three riley at four and logan smith at five
0: Well, just real quickly then from the Stanford, because I I think we've covered USC enough. uh, From the Stanford perspective, rough weekend for Samir Kumar. He loses twice, but you kind of write that off given how good of a year. Oh, no, no, sorry. Samir Kumar goes one-on-one. Apologies, Samir. Uh, He loses that USC match, but, uh, you know, again, he's been so good at four. You think that is one of their locks, but it's really Alex Rothsart, the uh, the freshman, loses twice this weekend. You know, given there's still time for him to mature, he obviously can hit the crap out of the ball, as we saw it indoors. Uh, But that's tough for them. Geller's a fighter. He's as talented as anyone. I like this Stanford team. If they made a quarterfinal, would it shock me? No, but yeah, I agree. I would say we were right in our last pod. They're probably just a little bit short.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally agree.
0: Yeah, well then, let's move on uh, to some of the other play. You look in the Pac-12, Arizona State. Finally, really coming into form, they beat Arizona four-two. Are they a fringe team to you, or do you think they're a pretty uh, solid case to make the NCAA's this year?
1: Well, from a ranking standpoint, they're they're solid. Their problem is they've got a they've got to hit the five hundred mark, right? And so, if you look at what they've got left, they've got five matches coming that they need to win all of those five matches and three of them should be basically locks, but then they've got Oregon and Utah in there that, you know, are matches you could lose. Right. Um, now Oregon didn't play Thomas Laurent last match. Don't know why, but, uh, but those, those are matches they could lose. And I say that they need to win all five of those because I'm going to just, I'm going to work under the assumption that their final two matches of the year that are, uh, USC and UCLA, that they lose those matches uh so if that were the case they have to win all five and lose those two because they are right they were they were sitting at three i think they may have played one of those since then but they were sitting three games three matches under 500 so that would put them right on the 500 mark now granted they then get the pac-12 tournament and they probably win a match there but obviously you have to lose a match unless you win the whole thing so that it would, uh, it might force them to win two rounds in the Pac-12 tournament. But yeah, they're they're a lock from a rank standpoint. But they've got some work left to do, uh, or maybe they've got to schedule another Delaware. Uh, it was Delaware they just played Delaware. Uh, you know, they've thrown Delaware and Grand Canyon in the line uh, in the schedule now uh, to try to get to that 500 mark. But uh, but they're, I don't think they're a, they're not they're not really probably going to end up being a fringe team from a ranking standpoint i think they'll get their uh they'll get their ranking wise i'm just not sure that they'll get their uh that they'll get their record wise uh and i'm not i'm just taking a quick look to see they're sitting yeah. at well they're 32 now but uh yeah the, the problem is they just they don't have they've only got five five wins against ranked opponents after that they've got a lot of nothing right now so so they'll get help tremendously if they beat Utah, if they beat Oregon, both ranked teams, that'll give them points that that'll basically make them a lock from a ranking standpoint. So they just got to get to 500 and, and, and win those two matches and they're good.
0: If they can get that five seed at Pac-12s, play Cal, get a win over them and sneak their way into the quarter or into the semifinals, that would be so huge for their case. Um, But yeah, we can move on now to some of the other conferences. Not too much action in the ACC or the Big Ten. Uh, all of the favorites really won in the Big Ten. I don't really want to talk about Michigan right now. It just makes me sad. But I will be there this weekend with my little brother to watch his take on Illinois in what is obviously a very important match. I'll probably be there Friday against Northwestern as well. Who are we kidding? Um, but just, uh, we can you know, skip that. Uh, you look at the ACC, Virginia, my Virginia Cavaliers survive against Duke. Shout out to our boy Nick Stikowiak, uh obviously brother of tennis cocaine, Matt Stokowiak. Who goes three sets at one with Nakashima doesn't finish. Uh, Virginia ends up taking a bunch of three set matches in singles, so uh, great for them. You know, North Carolina steadies the ship a little bit, gets a couple of comfortable wins. Also beat NC State yesterday, so big win for them. Wake Forest wins a couple times. NC State, Florida State, you know, Notre Dame—they're injured, but I don't know if I see any quarterfinal teams out of that. I think it's really just the three we always talk about: UNC, Virginia and wake force it's kind of funny how three teams it's it seems to be the number in all these conferences now have really begun to separate themselves just funny how that works i don't know any any thoughts on those conferences or should we get to the sec well let's move on to the sec oh because you of course have a ton of thoughts about that yeah well then we can move on to that uh the match we have to start with, a Sunday match. Florida, our Florida Gators... No, Matt a florida Gators. He was all in on them at the beginning of the year. Get a huge win in terms of their conference standing over Texas A&M 5-2. This match played in in Florida, in Gainesville. Uh, but, of course, Florida loses another doubles point. They have Inglinton at Perez playing at three, but it doesn't matter. Valle and Kessler lose at one doubles. Um, Crawford and Refice lose at two, and just still that doesn't seem to matter to florida anymore they they figured something out in singles
1: yeah they're just i mean that singles lineup is so good but it's re- it's ridiculous and the, the the astonishing thing is if you go look at the doubles rankings you see florida teams littered all over the doubles rankings yet they can't win a doubles point against a good <laughs> team i don't it's 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 beyond fathomable uh, and it just makes it that much harder to think my god if they actually win the doubles point in a big match how, I mean, you can't even beat them when they don't win the doubles point. How are you ever going to beat them when they win the doubles point? So, so yeah, I mean, that was obviously the the big match uh, from you know in the SEC that kind of it was every everybody that uh, well, everybody being uh, probably probably those two teams plus Mississippi State, but anybody <laughs> that had their had their eyes on having a chance, you know, or hoping to uh, to get a shot at the at the SEC title was watching because. Because Florida now has, they've pretty much played uh, the strength of the SEC. Right, the if you look at their schedule, the only you you try to find a loss, right? If even if you want to play devil's advocate and go, okay, where are they going to lose? At Alabama is, you know, probably. I I think I'd have to go pull it up, but I think from recollection that that's probably the toughest match uh, that they've got left. And I don't, you know, I don't see them. Bama's, I mean. They're dangerous. They can be tricky, but Osama just has not been playing, playing well. And they would need him to step up and beat Crawford. I mean, if you're, if you're going to beat Florida, you're going to have to beat Crawford. Uh, I just don't know how they get four points out out of that. So yeah, Florida's probably going to run the table and then they get the SEC tournament at home. And it's, they're so good at home. Uh, You know, it's going to be very tough to, for anybody to, to knock them out there.
0: Crawford at one gets a win in straight sets. Riffis, who is just coming into his own at two, gets another straight set win. Andrade, who was playing so well er- earlier in the year, loses in three, but still you like his chances against so many teams. In this case, he plays Vachero, and that's an exception, you know, not a not a rule. Inglatine at four probably as a big of a lock as any in the country. Greif, Valle, Kessler, Perez—they're all rounding into form at five and six. In this case. Grife and Valle get wins. I mean, this team is so talented. There's so much depth, as you've mentioned. The ceiling is incredibly high. We talked about them enough in the GSP, so we can move on.
1: Yeah. The only thing, I'll, the Tex- the oh, only thing I'll note there is that you were t- is that this week now they have uh, uh, Florida has made the change with Ingoldson and Andrade, and so Ingoldson is up to three now, and Andrade will be down to four this week. So. That's, that was the only significant change uh, in their lineup, at least from a single standpoint. It didn't look that close. Not to the doubles. Not
0: inevitable, but I mean, who cares? They're still so good. Yeah, right,
1: yeah. yeah. Good. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you how you try to beat them.
0: Yeah, but from the A&M side, look, they get a doubles point over a good team. It's a testament to their doubles, and you'll take the win every time. They're competitive at so many flights. You know, they lose in three at four and five singles. Schechter, uh, a freshman against Greif, the freshman, 7-6 in the third. Barnaby Smith, who you got to like in a lot of matchups, 6-3 in the third. Uh, this team is very talented, and on Friday, you know, they beat a top-20 team in, in South Carolina 5-2. Win another doubles point there. Get wins at two, three, and four. A Schechter lose a third set breaker, but whatever. That's a third set. Um, I just, I mean, Aguilar at one oh. is not the elite of the elite, but this team has a ton of depth.
1: Oh, I mean, so let me let me just paint the picture for you here. I'll, let's let's freeze frame that match at this point, right? And if you're an A and M fan, you go and out at this point in time. Uh, they break, Greif, Schachter breaks Greif to go up six-five in the third serving. So he's about to he's about to serve for the match. At that very instant, they're up a break uh, on both on the two other remaining matches, which are what three and uh, uh, yes yeah, uh, three and four. So they're up a break on Andrade and Barney Smith is up a break on four. So they end up winning the match uh, over Andr- over Andrade, uh, uh, Vachero does. And so now you're basically going, hey, we've got, we're up, they're basically up a break in all three remaining matches. It's 3-1 Florida at this point, but a and is up a break in the third set in all three remaining matches. So at that point in time, you're thinking, man, Florida could go down here. And then just like that, Greif breaks back to send that match to a tie break and from 3-1 down in the third, uh, on five, uh, they, I'm trying, um, it was, uh, who was, who was that on five? That was,
0: uh, are you talking you about know, Schachter? Are Dr- you talking about who was I'm sorry. uh
1: No, I'm thinking on four, Barney Smith and Engelson. Uh, oh, so, I mean, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think so yeah. Barney was up 3-1 in the, he was up 3-1 in the third, and then Engelson rips off. Five straight games, but but at that moment where he was three one, chapter six five serving for the match, and they're about and is about to close it out. They're up a break in all three matches, and they had. I mean, you had you had to like your chances. Obviously, you have to get all three and hold that break advantage in all three. But uh, you know, you'll. I think I think against a Florida team, if someone says, "Hey, we'll give you a three one deficit, but we'll give you a break lead in all three third sets," you'll go, "Okay, let's start from there. I'll take it."
0: I know it's going to be awfully hard uh, to to get to this point because there's just not that much tennis left and everything everything's so close in the standings, but you look at the SEC, you know, Florida, Mississippi State, A&M. Would you put Georgia in that tier? I'm sorry, this is a bit of a tangent.
1: No, that not right now. I mean, y- yes, they basically should have won the match uh, at Mississippi State when Henning goes down injured two points from winning, right? But... Uh, but the the bulk of their their book right if you take the take the sum of their work on the year they just they haven't been able to they haven't been able to do it they're losing to they're losing to other teams as well so they just haven't they haven't shown that that they can do that every day are they da- are they talented and are they dangerous such that they could beat any one of those teams on any given day yes but can they can they do that you know three times in a row for they'll have to do it, you know, four times in a row in the sec tournament. And then, you know, however many times in the, you know, six times in a row in an NCAA tournament. No, I don't, I don't, I don't see them being able to do that. At least not right now. And on top of it, Henning, is he back this week? Don't know yet, but he's, he's, he's going to be nursing and they just don't, they're only six deep. I mean, yes, Croyder picked up some wins this weekend, but that's not, you know, you want Kreuter at six or you want Walker Duncan at six? Obviously, you want Walker Duncan at six. Uh, so so they're just, I think, between the injury and then the fact they haven't been able to put it together, uh, you know, with, with a full lineup, they lost to Ole Miss. Uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's not, uh, it, they're just just—they're just not there yet. Yeah,
0: well, if you look at some of the other results from the SEC, Florida, again, knocks off number 32, LSU 5-2, Uh, Georgia knocks off number 20, Alabama, 4-1. Number 46, Kentucky knocks off number 30, Vanderbilt, 4-3. Our Mississippi State Bulldogs knock off Arkansas, 5-2. South Carolina knocks off LSU, 5-2. You move into Sunday, and uh, you have Tennessee knocking off Alabama, 4-1. Georgia over uh, over Auburn, 4-1. I mean, yeah, it's... Again, these teams are starting to separate themselves. I, I think there's a clear pack uh, ahead in the SEC. I would put your Bulldogs in that top pack, although I know it's just a matter of time for them. That uh, they're they're old, they're cranky, their parts hurt, and so we may not see the full form of them until a little bit later in the year. But I don't know any other SEC thoughts.
1: Yeah, well, I think you know. I think the thing we saw this weekend, even with the LSU match against Florida, we're putting Florida up there, and and I'm, and I'm with you. I put them as my my favorite right at this point, right. To, to run the table and win everything. But even that LSU match, uh, they had to go, they, they had to win a three set match to win the match. It's not like they're running away and it's not like LSU is, you know, a top 15 team. Uh, but they, they had to get a, a three setter in that match. I think LSU forced three third setters to force Florida to, to win one of them, uh, which I think volley did, but they, they played them, you know, they florida they're showing that they can you know you can play with them it's just so tough to beat them but uh you know the other thing i don't know that 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 people that don't follow the sec so so closely realizes that one of the most impressive teams this year right now is south carolina so south carolina's ranked what 18 i think they're number 18 they're playing five freshmen in their lineup so for them for them to be playing five starting five fresh and doing as well as, as they're doing, that's I mean that's a team you got to watch for. You know, not really. You know, I, they're really probably uh, just trying to trying to make a little noise this year and get everybody to to see them. They're not. You know, it's not like they're going to go make a national title run. But but uh, but the guys, the lineup they've got is setting up. You know, I, I look at them kind of like we looked at Mississippi State when they brought in the four freshmen four years ago. Now they've got five freshmen coming in and, and starting out this well. They're, uh, they're going to be a, a team, to, team to reckon with.
0: Completely agree with you. Well, then let's move on and do our fi- uh, our final two things. One of the finest features of your website, College Tennis Ranks, which again our fans can go check out at college dot The week ahead feature, where you can look at some of the matches uh, moving forward in the week. We are recording this and releasing on Thursday, April fourth. Today we have A and M versus Kentucky um lsu versus vanderbilt as really the best uh two ranked teams matches but looking ahead to the weekend florida takes on alabama virginia florida state mississippi mississippi state i'm sure you'll be there for that oklahoma baylor yeah oklahoma baylor northwestern michigan notre dame duke a banged up notre dame team against a frisky frisky duke team I mean, it's so many ranked matches. I'm just, I am just—I don't want to read them all. Again, go check out the website, but the highlights for Saturday. Number four, Texas at number 10, TCU. We talked about that one earlier. And then you look on Sunday, some other great matches as well. Virginia going to Miami team that, although they lost to Louisville recently 4-0, uh, we've seen them be talented before. Notre Dame at number 11, North Carolina. Illinois, as I mentioned, coming to Michigan. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. Oklahoma, Texas Tech uh georgia hosting arkansas it's a fun weekend of tennis what what matches will you be watching most closely i should Why? say dart max fligner will get mad at me if i don't mention this one sorry dartmouth going to number 50 pen dartmouth our green need that one
1: yeah uh, dartmouth at number 39 what what is what, yeah so uh, i mean
0: I, I know this i i know the story i don't want anyone to get in trouble but uh, <laughs> yes
1: yeah, well so obviously I will be uh, I'll be at Mississippi State for the, for that match this weekend. It's senior day there uh, uh for the four guys and and I'll be there but uh you know I think for me as as usual at this time of the year just because it's it's really only a couple weeks long, I like watching I like watching the big matches in the Big 12, all right? So uh, and this week the big one uh if you're looking at them, is the Texas TCU match on Saturday. So so that's one that I'm I'm definitely going to be uh, keeping my eyes on. Uh, I don't think there's probably too many other uh, too many other that are going to be likely. I, you know, sure we might get an upset here or there, but the, those are those are the matches to to keep an eye on as as far as I'm concerned. All right, and, well, I, I'm and, glad and, and since you did such a nice job, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, pump, pumping the site for me, I'll tell you one of the other. One of the other great features for the folks that are listening that I added recently because I myself knew how painful it became to try to put in too many things in the what-if calculator, right? So if you're on the rankings tab and you go to the what-if calculator there, it, it what it used to do was let you one-by-one one add in, oh, what if Texas beats this team? And what if that happens? And it was three drop downs you had to pick every time. Now, the full week ahead of all top 50 teams are, list, are sitting there. You could just click the buttons i'll take them 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 what's it do or if you just want to go hey i'll take all chalk and take the highest team you <laughs> can press one button and it gives you a, what are next week's rankings with all the winners all the favorites winning this week uh so you can kind of it's a gives, it's a little fun a little fun to do uh, and see see what that does uh, to to your team
0: look you deserve all the time you want to plug for how thankful I am that you come on as often. I text you randomly 3:30 on a Wednesday. Hey, uh, you free tonight? And you're like, yeah. And then I get a bunch of K's in response. I'm like, uh oh, did I do something wrong? And I'm like, no, never mind. He's just old. And then I'm just like, okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, but. Man. All right, well, then let's do our final thing uh, before we wrap up. I can't let you off a podcast despite it being a mini break without doing our top five rankings. So, Westoff, if you could give me a ranking sound effect.
1: Chris, start with you five, four, three, two, 1. All right. So for the folks that are going to listen to both of these pods, it's going to be the same because I haven't changed anything since last week. (laughs) Five, Virginia. Four, Texas. Three, Wake Forest. Two, Florida. And one, Ohio State. And I'll keep throwing that caveat in there. I actually think Florida is the favorite to win right now, but someone's got to beat Ohio State to knock the king off the hill before I take him down.
0: So we, I gave my Virginia rant on that Great Shop podcast, so we'll plug it one last time. Go listen to that. They are not in my top five, despite being my Cavaliers. I just, I'm worried about f- uh, five and six. We saw that against Duke. They went down uh, quickly. It's just, you know, one more guy there would make me so much more comfortable. I'm used to having JC and Henrik just winning everything, so I guess I got spoiled. Uh, getting to my top five, you mentioned a lot of the teams I like. I feel like I can't have Baylor at 5 without putting USC over them. But didn't Baylor beat them in Indian Wells? Yes. So then I'm going to do it. Baylor number 5, Texas despite losing to USC, I'm going to have them at number 4. I think. Are you getting mad at me? I heard a rebuttal. I heard no, whispers. No, no, no,
1: I've got I've got Texas at 4. I, All right, but you're good. No, yeah, ba- yeah Baylor Baylor 5. I mean, Heck, I've I've got them six, and they're and they only lost to Texas, right? So you can't. I mean,
0: yeah. See, if I was feeling really spicy, I would drop Wake Forest out of my top five and put USC above
1: them. But I'm just that that would be a that would be a what I would consider to be a normal Gruskin take. But you just can't. yeah. <laughs> Well, here
0: would be the argument, right? Wake Forest, I know with Gojo, it's a whole new ball game. And I know at the indoors, they were on fire. But outdoors, this team, we don't know what's going to happen at five and six singles ever. You know, Botzer loses a lot of sets, but he's pretty reliable at three. Free Sokos at two, um, what's left to say. Gojo's moody, but he can play some great tennis when he's locked in. But Baylor, man. They're Roy Smith away from being so fascinating. I mean, and then how can you take away from Texas? I mean, Texas lost to Ohio State but beat them. They lost to USC but beat the Baylor team that beat. I mean, Wake Forest lost got, to. You've Virginia. already got oh.
1: Baylor and Texas in your top five. So even if you, even if you want to drop Wake. The, you're only dropping them two five, and then you're making Baylor four at Texas three, right? See,
0: I mean, I, no, I think I'd put USC at five and Wake Forest at US... six. That that would be the really spicy take. That's what I'm saying. That's oh, Vegas. That's when, yeah, two that's, weekends in Vegas.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Losing your wallet, be- <laughs> money right there. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. I'm gonna save I mean, the gambling stories for later. Yeah, I mean, I, you, we all know how high I was on USC to start the year. So, I you know I can kind of go with you, but but I was burned way too many times watching them yeah. <laughs> in the beginning to, to think that you could put them there yet. You know, that they're going to have to run the, they're going to have to run the pac 12 to, uh, to, to really make me a solid believer and with a steady lineup.
0: Yeah, that's fine. All right. We'll leave Wake Forest three. I agree. I love Florida, but you got to beat the champs and no one's beating them when JJ Wilson, the lineup. So Florida two, Ohio state. Number one, any final thoughts before we wrap up, Chris?
1: no i look forward to just another great another great weekend we've only got uh, so many of them left here and uh and, and then we'll uh we'll chat again i'm sure uh not too long afterwards
0: yeah of course Well, then shout out to you shout out to our super producers max flinger and daniel westoff who have a fuck of an editing job to do as always Uh, But again, if you've missed any of the action, check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. Listen to this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, What the Deuce Podcast, rate, listen, subscribe, review. We appreciate all of your commentary and any contributions you want to make. Uh, Social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Chris, anything you want to plug real quick? No, just check out the site, CollegeTennisRanks.com. And he is at CollegeTennisRanks on Twitter. But one last time... For my lovely co-host, Chris Halliors, for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire team at Crack Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Grelskin. Chris, I'm not sure if you know how this podcast ends, so I'm happy to show you how it does. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Chris.
1: Thanks.